0: Black Hollywood Live fans, today on Justice is Served, we're talking about Bill Cosby's trial. Almost done now. We are just, hopefully, moments, hours, days away from a jury verdict, as are we in the case of the officer who killed Philando Castile. Uh, We've got a breaking news on Trump, and a Flint, Michigan um, official has been charged with involuntary manslaughter. It's a jam-packed day full of legal news. Stay with us here on Justice is Served. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Lives. Justice is served. Hello and welcome to what I originally thought was a slow legal news day. (laughs) I was like, oh man, if we had only gotten some verdicts in, this would be much more interesting. And then we've got some breaking news stories. Um, So it's going to being an interesting, although for me, a bit of a frustrating uh, legal um, day of, of reporting. Uh, how are you, Yemi? I'm doing good. It is just down down to 2 today. Um, welcome, please, my co-host, Yemi Abayami, a fellow attorney who will help me dissect and analyze all the legal cases that we're covering this week. Um, starting off with the Bill Cosby trial. It felt like it started and <laughs> went into the hands of the jury in a flash. And uh, we kind of have skipped some of the details along the way on this show, at least. So I thought we would go back and kind of examine what we'd missed. I thought we were going to have, like, another opportunity. Um, I don't know why I thought that this case was going to go on. I think a lot of people thought the case was going to take a few weeks and not just a few days, really. part of the reason why is because the defense rested after (laughs) six minutes. (laughs) 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 that actually I I had to like I had to read that twice
1: (laughs) like wait did you just do six minutes today or was it six minutes total no six minutes total they put up one one witness on the stand Uh, I think a police officer who had interviewed Constand at the time that she reported the crime uh, having taken place, or the alleged crime having taken place,
0: and and pointed out some of inconsistencies mm-hmm. in the dates and kind of things like that.
1: And I guess they felt that the pros- um, that uh, the prosecution simply hadn't proved their case, and why do we need to say more than we feel is necessary? So let's just point out those inconsistencies. Um, introduce some doubt in the mind of the jurors in terms of her credibility and call hopefully, it a day. Yeah, and, and <laughs> hopefully send him home, essentially seems to be their strategy.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I can't wait to see how that turns out for him. Uh, he is facing 10 years in prison if he's convicted um, for, of this
1: sexual assault. Yeah, three counts of aggravated assault.
0: Yeah. Um, They are—this was interesting because I hadn't actually read what they—assault was what I knew. But assaulting her when she was unconscious and assaulting her using drugs to impair her ability to consent. And then also assaulting her without her consent. So those are the three. Um, Some of the interesting testimony along the way has been from the alleged victim herself. Um, who, by all accounts, seemed to be firm and steady in her answering of the questions. And
1: it was a lot of testimony. She was on the stand for a total of nine hours over the course of two days. Yeah. Um, and so she had some breaks in between, and apparently, in, in during those breaks, she was she was meditating and kind of trying to. to kind of calm, oh wow! To calm. Yeah, good for her. Isn't that a great <laughs> testimonial for
0: meditation right there? Um, her mother also. Um, Testified, And there was an, an expert in sexual assaults um, who had her credibility damaged a bit when the defense pointed out that she was perhaps biased because of a social media post that she made uh, in the, reference to this case. The expert was biased? Yeah. Veronique Valier um, was asked if she was biased because she posted a story... A, a, a post on Facebook, I believe, about the Cosby case with the a caption, Victory, the case goes on. Hmm.
1: I mean, I, I don't know. Any, any, any witness that a party puts on the stand, I assume, especially any expert witness, yeah. you already know that that person is going to be, you know their testimony is going to lean a certain way. That's the whole reason why They've chosen that witness much in the same way that you know the other side is going to have their own witnesses going to lean another way they're getting paid, yeah, maybe she has a history you know with 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 violence or sexual assault, but either way i to me it it, it doesn't
0: make a difference if I feel that she's biased i, I just think that yeah. juries may not know that as much. juries as we might don. not know that this that the potential witness might be biased well i don't think that they realize it's kind of. Standard practice that the prosecution is going to put on one that's biased towards them and the defense is going to put on one. I, put I would on, hope they'd know that. I don't know. I've, I, I've not, I've not, when I had jury duty, oh, I may think it was like <laughs> six months ago by now, and people didn't even know what the heck they were doing there or who the defense or the prosecution was. Maybe I um, overestimated I, I really lost me. <laughs> the, in, um, the
1: competence of the general public.
0: Yeah. Um, And so that's why. I'm not sure about that. (laughs) Another interesting witness was Kelly Johnson, and she testified that she, too, was drugged and assaulted in 1996. And that was allowed in because prosecutors were allowed to show, like, a pattern of behavior. Yeah. Uh,
1: Initially, they had wanted to introduce, I think, 13 women uh, to, to basically say that this is Bill Cosby's way of operating. You know, even this Lady Johnson um, had a similar story as Andrea Constand, and so there were similarities there, and they wanted to do that basically thirteen times, and the judge said, "Wait, that's one is enough." Yeah, that's yeah. a little bit prejudicial. So we'll let this woman um, speak about how she was drugged and um, couldn't move and couldn't defend herself against Bill Cosby.
0: And and yeah, there was a whole lot of talk about whether it would Benadryl and Quaaludes, because they did also read the transcript from the two thousand and five or six deposition that he did in the civil suit in this case where he admitted to giving women quaaludes and sex. and he yeah so that
1: portion of the uh deposition is actually kind of what what reignited uh the state's desire to pursue these criminal criminal charges where he said where he did admit to giving quaaludes to women that he was interested in having sex with he says that um you know Quaaludes were the party drug of the '70s, and much in the same way that you would offer a a, a woman a drink at a bar, and during the '70s, like you would offer them some pills, because it was known to kind of create a sort of a high and arouse people sexually. But it wasn't that he was giving it to them. Um, unbeknownst to them, or in a sneaky manner. Well, Andrea Constant how he, how he testified
0: it. that she believed she was taking an herbal pill. Mm-hmm. Specifically, told Cosby, "I trust you," and then took the pills, and then found herself unable to really move. Um, woke up disheveled, um, was in and out during him um, touching her inappropriately. So uh, I don't. I don't really buy his like. I just you I gave buy her it. Benadryl or and or Quaaludes, but I always told them what it was, even though I had no medical reason to have the Quaaludes, and the doctor knew that. But now the doctor's dead, so he, you know, will never be prosecuted for that. And Benadryl, who knew Benadryl can knock you out so hard? I, but d- I well, guess it's possible.
1: I think it, you know, ben- Benadryl. I've taken Benadryl, and when I wake up in the morning, even if I take it the night before, even when I wake up in the morning, sometimes I'm still groggy. And I mean, I'm taking the actual uh, uh, recommended un- amount, but apparently he gave her, and I, I don't know, it's not enough, I don't think, but he gave her apparently one and a half times the recommended quote-unquote dosage that's listed on the bottle, so I don't know that that would actually knock a person out or make them...
0: Unable to move.
1: Unable yeah. to move, so uh, so that's that's a tough part of... That for the so story.
0: then on um, Monday afternoon, so it's been a couple of days now, the case went to the jury, and so far the jurors have asked five questions during deliberations. They asked the judge to repeat two different parts of Cosby's statements to authorities, asked the court to define the phrase without her knowledge in one of the charges, and asked to rehear testimony from a Canadian detective who interviewed Constant. I mean and, one of one of the i mean oh, in the, and the, then and then today they asked to uh rehear a- uh andrea Constance's testimony about the night of the alleged assault,
1: so I think that's gonna be a big piece because as we uh, mentioned before, you know, she had her statement that she had given to the police, which took place a year after the actual incident incident itself. And then, of course, she has the testimony that she gave here now, I think 12 or 13 years later. And one of the things that the defense really tried to highlight in this case are those inconsistencies. You know, she initially said that the assault took place uh, maybe like in March of 2004. And then she said, oh, no, actually, it was a little bit earlier. It was 2003. She first said that oh, the assault happened um, after dinner at a restaurant. Um, and then it, she said, no, no, actually, there was no restaurant involved. And then she, you know, she also said, it happened the first time that we were alone together in his home. And then she said, well, actually, it turns out it was the third time that we were uh, alone together in his home, but the first and second time he had made passes at me, he had put his hand on my thigh, he tried to unbutton my uh, jeans and it was only in the third instance that that i that i finally took that i took those pills and i was i was passed out she also said that she had minimal communication with him uh subsequent to the alleged attack whereas it came out later that she had
0: many subsequent like 72 phone calls i think i think 53 i think 53 okay. but phone she, calls but her answer to that was i still had my job at temple university and it's because of my role in my job is why i had to reach out to him yeah
1: you know it actually it was interesting to me even cuz I, I read these things and i'm i'm sitting here reading these inconsistencies and i'm saying well th- this this to me as a juror this would kind of shake my faith in her her recollection and her credibility um, but one of the interesting things that the uh, prosec- prosecutors pointed out they said yes you know she did call uh, she did call him 53 times but if you notice she was checking her voicemail each time she says that she, he was leaving her voicemails and that she was simply returning her returning his calls um, because she had to as a member of the uh, temple staff and the prosecutors introduced evidence that she would check her voicemail listen to the message and it was only after she would check her voicemail that she would call Bill Cosby, which would suggest that she was responding to a phone call.
0: Yeah. I still think it... Another thing that seemed funny was that she asked Cosby for tickets to one of his shows, and that seemed bizarre. hmm um, But she says that she hadn't told family members that this had happened. She told her mom. but She hadn't told family members. And so when they asked her for them, she went ahead and asked... Cosby for them. How does that add up to you?
1: For, I mean, for me, again, as the as the average juror, I, I would say that this also harms her credibility because I would say, a, you know, a sexual assault victim in my mind, I would be, and you use the word bizarre. To me, it seems bizarre that she would then. Um, still be in touch with him on a regular basis or not. And I don't know what her role was at Temple that she needed to be talking to. She
0: ran, um, was it the basketball I know that she was affiliated with the basketball
1: team. I don't know what her specific role was such that she needed to be in constant contact with Bill Cosby specifically versus another member of the basketball staff or another member of the booster club or... I I, I didn't really understand why she needed to be the one to... um, to, to get in touch with him all the time. And especially if after that type of unwanted contact, maybe you just say, Hey, you know, I'm so busy focusing on my coaching duties. I mean, I don't want to second guess. I don't want to play Monday morning quarterback, but, um, but it did seem odd to me. Uh, and I do think it, it's odd to me that she would then go to his show. And I think there was a time where she said she, she was in his hotel room and he lied down on the bed and she said, Oh my gosh, what am I doing here? And, and she left, but to me it all seemed odd. But, um, but the prosecution actually brought on an expert to say that you know her her behavior isn't necessarily unusual for a sexual assault victim. That oftentimes a sexual assault victim one will feel uncomfortable reporting the event and therefore you have a delay, um, and secondly they might not necessarily cut off contact because they just want to get back to a sense of normalcy, right. and so they just continue kind of going on as though nothing happened, even though they maybe have that internal struggle. So while it might be bizarre to me, uh, they at least put on testimony so- showing that, you know, it's not exactly um, inconsistent with uh,
0: the experience of a sexual assault victim. So do you have a, an idea of which way this will, will go? Uh,
1: the inconsistencies, for me, the inconsistencies are a big red flag. And it's hard for me to say, oh, proved beyond a reasonable doubt, where the in the the alleged assault was reported a year later memory was clearly her memory was cloudy a year later and then 13 years later who knows how much more cloudy her memory was um, so I don't I don't
0: uh, you don't have a whole lot of faith <laughs> that the jury's gonna come back with the guilty verdict
1: yeah and I and I think it kind of weighs in favor of Bill Cosby the fact that it, it's taken this long because I think if it were kind of if they were leaning towards convicting him, I think it probably would have happened sooner rather than later. I think the fact that it's going on for a, a little while means that there's some questions in the minds of the jurors. Of yeah, which the is drivers. why they've
0: asked
1: What questions. was interesting was that um, after the trial, the defense attorney uh, apparently held up a letter from a Mrs. Jackson, who also worked in the Temple athletic department. Who says that? And, and this letter wasn't introduced because it was the judge said it was hearsay. But he, the the attorney for Cosby held up a letter saying that there was a Miss, a Miss Jackson in the athletic department at Temple who said that Andrea Constand came to her and told her um, that you know she was never assaulted and that you know, but ha- having something of that nature could lead to a good payout someday. Um, she she's she says that she doesn't know who this woman is and has denied it. And as I said, this letter
0: wasn't introduced in court, but maybe Absolute, just another. I mean, That is the very definition of hearsay. <laughs> <laughs> Come well think of a better example. <laughs> well, so uh, what in
1: Pennsylvania apparently they allow hearsay can be allowed if it directly rebuts
0: something that the witness has said. So there are yeah. some. Well, there's there's a, a lot a lot of exceptions to the hearsay rule, which we go deeply in, into, into law school and which comes up actually in the next case. I think we're um, ready to move on to Philando Castile. So the reason why I say in the Philando Castile case um, a an exception to the hearsay rule comes up is because his last words, Philando Castile just if you um, need to catch up, was the, the guy who was uh, shot by an officer in Minnesota uh, after he'd been pulled over for a broken taillight and his girlfriend live-streamed on Facebook the aftermath of the shooting and basically him dying. And his last statement was, I wasn't reaching for it, referring to the gun. Normally a statement like that would be hearsay, an out-of-court statement asserted for the truth of the matter. But that one... was <laughs> D- dying last word. Dying, <laughs> dying declaration. Yes. <laughs> Good. Uh, I do remember so that from law school. Right. So then... Um, I mean, only us, you know, law geeks would be like, "Whoa!" I spotted an exception to the hearsay rule. Um, yes, okay. I think that's the only sort of thing that made me giggle about this case. Um, the, so, the trial is um, is for Geronimo Yanez. That is the police officer that shot and killed him. He's facing 20 years for manslaughter and also five years for um, each of two counts for discharging a firearm and endangering the lives of Philando Castile's girlfriend, Diamond Reynolds, and her four-year-old daughter who was in the back seat. Um, of course, his defense was that classic. I, I was, was affre- in fear for my life, Yes, of course. I had no other choice. Buzzwords. I didn't want to shoot Mr. Castile. That wasn't my intention. I don't know how that's not your intention when you shoot seven times. Within within
1: within a minute of even approaching the car. Right. So he had even just got to the car um, if, if, and if you remember the background of the story remember he was stopped because for the Officer Inez says that he stopped Philando Castile for a broken taillight there was a question as to whether that was pretext uh, for stopping him because remember there had been a robbery, robbery in the area about two miles away four days earlier by someone with dreadlocks well, black and with dreadlocks that's actually the description literally just black and with dreadlocks and he saw someone driving in a car with flared nostrils and he then stopped the car because it had a broken taillight and you know thought this was well allegedly thought this was the, the robber. robbery suspect And go ahead oh no <laughs> so that was uh, how that all started and so then when he approached the car maybe whether that was in his head oh, this guy is a, a, a suspected armed robber, robber armed robber I need to be kind of a bit more... uh, Vigilant. uh, Yes, and uh, aggressive in my stance. Um, And so when he approached uh, Philando Castillo, it was within one minute of even stopping him that he shot seven times. But what to me sounded... didn't really make sense is that when you have uh, an individual that you stop in their car and they're telling you, Officer, by the way, I must tell you, I'm armed. I mean, I think you have to worry more so about the suspects or the individuals who are acting a little bit shifty or... Um, giving you reason to think that, you know, something's wrong or they're trying to avoid... Uh, they're trying to hide something. Yeah, they're trying to hide something. First, For an officer to have that reaction with somebody who's clearly being very upfront about, right. I, I have a gun, yep. I, I think you should know that, sir, you know, and he used the language that we all we all tell, you know, people that get stopped, like, you use very kind and respectful language. Tell them, sir, keep your hands where they... Um, Where the officers can see them. You see him with uh, his girlfriend, a child in the backseat. To me, it was just a very overzealous, aggressive reaction where I wouldn't think an officer would have that reaction when when the um, person that you're stopping is being so candid with you.
0: Right. That was bizarre. And then the defense, though, said that... He was culpably negligent because he failed to tell the police officer that he had a permit to carry that gun, which makes absolutely zero sense at all because that would play no role in whether the officer was in fear for his life. The 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 fact that he had an, a permit for it in that moment, in those less than 60 seconds, I don't see how that would make a difference. Uh, the, 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 so, someone who, the defense said that... The defense said... Um, Castile was culpably negligent which means that he had a duty to say or do something and then violated that duty which doesn't make sense here because he volunteered that he possessed a gun without saying that he had a permit to carry it also that he reached for it instead of keeping his hands visible you know which is where that comment I wasn't reaching for it right before he died is important and also his girlfriend said he was reaching for the seatbelt Mm-hmm. To release that, so he can get his wallet.
1: I really want the, and I think this is actually going to be released after the trial. Uh, I really want to hear the audio from the from the audio from the dash camera because that video hasn't been released. We've obviously seen uh, Diamond Reynolds' her Facebook live feed footage of what happened after Philando Castile had been shot, but we've not seen the dash cam footage from the officers' uh, dash cam, and that dash cam footage also has audio, so you can actually hear. Uh, you can hear Philando Castile say, uh, "I have to let you know, sir, I have a weapon on me." And, they, and apparently, just from the transcripts that I've read—not transcripts of the audio, but articles that I've read—they say that you know, within seconds, Officer Inez is, is firing his gun. Um, and I want to hear—you know—did he say, or he, I think after he said, "I have to let you know, I have a weapon on me," the officer said, "Okay, don't reach for it." Um, but didn't say anything about keep your hands where I can see them or put your hands on the steering wheel.
0: Yeah, the defense uh, also said that he was negligent because he was high on marijuana, which rendered him incapable of following Inez's order not to reach for it. Um, Clearly, that guy doesn't understand marijuana. (laughs) And secondly, um, he was... The testimony was that Yanez did not give instructions, and in fact they put on another officer who testified to the protocol of what you would do or what you should say when somebody tells you they have a gun, which is to ask, where is it, and then please keep your hands on the steering wheel. But neither of those directions were given by Officer Yanez.
1: Right, neither of those commands were given, and on top of that, he corroborated the fact that he didn't know where the gun was or actually that was actually one of the you know speaking of inconsistencies as we discussed in the Cosby case there were some incons- inconsistencies in officer Inez's testimony as well where he initially said that he didn't know where the gun was um, but then he did say oh i you know he did see him uh, he saw the he the, the or sorry he saw the the barrel of the gun and that's what caused him to shoot and then later he said well actually no i just saw the um, slide of the gun, um, then he at one point said that he didn't know where the gun was, but then at another instance he said, "Oh, but his hand." He told him to take his hand off the gun, as if though he he saw his hand on the gun. Um, and then there were uh, medics, I think, that testified that the gun fell out while he was on the medical board, or right. certain certain witnesses testified that um, the gun might have fallen out of his pocket when he was on. The medical stretcher, which suggested that you know he never had removed the gun from his uh, from his pocket in the first place. Right. So how could Officer Inez uh, have seen the gun? So there are some inconsistencies there with respect to Officer Inez's uh, testimony.
0: Yeah, there was. Um, the jurors have requested a, a transcript interview um, that uh, a situation where Officer Inez says he did not see the gun, but the judge denied. That request that was surprising to me. I didn't. I didn't. uh, Didn't make much sense to me. If he's
1: testifying on the stand to one thing, I would think it's. I think it's only prudent for the jury to say, "Well, okay, what did he say to the detectives immediately after the event when his memory and recollection was much clearer, versus what he's saying now,
0: uh, months later?" It is interesting, though, that the judge allowed the jurors to take the shorts that Philando Castile was wearing when he was shot in a baggie, but they were they let him them take the shorts what do you think that so was for
1: I I uh read that the prosecution was trying to argue that Philando Castile's trigger finger was grazed by a bullet and they were suggesting well if the he ha- he could not have had his hands on the gun if there's a um, if there's a graze on his on his finger, but there's no uh, gunshot, no holes in his pants, so his hands must not have been near his shorts or the the gun at the time that he was shot. Oh, so I very think that was uh, the prosecution's way of thinking about that
0: so um we're waiting we're waiting, but we have an idea about what the jury is thinking because the jury. Has gone to the judge to say that they're deadlocked. Oh. Um, the, the judge then asked Is this them. this breaking news?
1: Was by this my head? It.
0: It, okay. Yeah. Um, the judge then asked them to continue trying to reach oh. a verdict. Here's a quote from the judge. You should decide the case for yourself, but only after you've discussed this case with your fellow jurors and have carefully considered their views. You should not hesitate to re-examine your views and change your opinion if you become convinced they are erroneous, but you should not surrender your honest opinion simply because other jurors disagree or merely to reach a verdict.
1: Okay, so he's kind of just telling them to go back in there and hash it out some more, basically, is what it sounds like. Yeah, I
0: mean, I would rather, you know, a deadlock than, and not guilty, um, verdict, and I think that there was there was a, a piece of evidence that the that was allowed in, but the prosecutors tried to use it um, during cross examination rather than during their case, and the judge didn't allow them to use it that way, so uh, it kind of handicapped them. It Do you know what
1: this evidence was? Uh,
0: I think it was the interview of um, that interview where he said he, he, he did the, the detectives. Gun. Okay. I, I, an interview where he said that he didn't see the gun. Mm -hmm. And uh, so if the jury deadlocks, then, you know, they can say, okay, that was a mistake that we made in this trial, and we can correct that in the next one. Um, So we'll see. But I'm not now very hopeful for a conviction here.
1: Yeah, again, I think in this case, the longer that it takes to reach a verdict, I think the more likely it is that he's not going to be convicted, or at least he's not going to be found guilty.
0: Yeah, I don't remember how many times I've heard a jury tell a judge, we're deadlocked, the judge says, go try more, and then they actually come back with something. I don't think that happens very often. We'll see. We'll find out. All right, and uh, some happier news for some kids suing Donald Trump uh, and the administration over the climate. There are 21 young plaintiffs in this case referred to as Juliana versus United States. They're arguing that their constitutional and public trust rights are being violated by the government's creation of climate danger. So it was, you know, oh, that's so cute. Kids are getting involved in filing, you know, a lawsuit. Good for them. Kids being, you know, Engaged in the in the legal system and and doing what they can as activists, and I think most people are like, uh, whatever, you know, this is going to be a, just a waste of time. Um, but it turns out that it's not a waste of time after all. Even, although the Trump administration has tried to um, to end this case, the companies that were are being sued have tried to get themselves extracted from the case. None of that has worked, and a judge uh, recently said that the case is headed to trial. I was kind of shocked by that. Uh, well, I think, I don't know that I'm necessarily
1: shocked by it. I, I think the, judges base, the judge basically said that there's no basis for me to dismiss just this dismiss case. this. Yeah. You know, uh, we can we can go forth and, and see whether there's something to these claims. And, and if you feel like some, some some procedural matter was off, you appeal, yeah. that's fine. But there's no um, kind of extenuating circumstance that re- requires me to say, well, we've got to cut this off now.
0: Well, I thought that they may not, like, have true standing or be able to state a real claim. Um, like, this is, like, for injury in the future because the planet won't be safe enough for you to live in. Is it's not a explicit crime that I know of, so maybe based on scientific research
1: demonstrating that you know climate change is happening here, the effects of you know the release of uh fossil fuels or the release of um CO2 the, uh, of, of greenhouse gases things uh, I mean, it's going to have an actual effect on the future, and it I will- don't want to have to wait for that injury to take place because by then it will be too late.
0: So basically the judge says that there is sufficient complaint standing everything to to actually like test out the merits of this case. So um, go kids yeah
1: <laughs> and I just wanted to point out so because I thought it was interesting, because, um, you know how the Trump administration has been acting very aggressively in getting this out of the courts. but um these this claim was actually filed during the Obama administration in November of twenty sixteen so the Trump administration has now inherited it, and now they're just trying to do whatever they can to get it out of it in, get yeah. out.
0: <laughs> okay, and then one of the um the more Breaking news stories to me that i had uh, that I just saw was that five more officials in Flint, Michigan, have been charged. The most serious of which is for the head of the state 's Health and Human Services Department. His name is Nick Lyon. He has been charged with involuntary manslaughter. This was just yesterday. Um, and uh, misconduct in office, both felonies. This is the first time that investigators are drawing a, di- a direct link between what the government did or actually failed to do, and uh, people dying after because of that. Um, I, I'm I, I can't remember another time when somebody was charged with involuntary manslaughter. I mean, police officers who shoot people char- hardly get. <laughs> Charged with involuntary manslaughter.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I tend not to get super excited about charges anymore because those charges so rarely ever end up in any any actual culpability being found. Um, and what's interesting in this case is that right. so in those cases where we see a government official, um, being charged, it's usually because they did something, i.e. They, they shot a firearm, they killed someone who was unarmed. In this case, I thought it was interesting because this is kind of an act of omission uh, that the head of the Department of Health and Human Services basically was briefed about the fact that the, uh, that the contaminated water could potentially lead to Legionnaires disease, but he took no action once he was briefed on that subject matter. And then subsequently in Flint, of course, we had some individuals dying from Legionnaire's d- disease and so this is really a case of a, a you know what was your duty to act um, or did you have a duty to act and yeah. did you act and in this case you know they didn't do anything and so as an act of omission he's being charged with
0: involuntary manslaughter right. which was really interesting willfully to me. disregarded the deadly nature of what he's been warned about um, he faces up to 20 years in prison. Also charged yesterday was Eden Wells, the chief medical executive for the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. She was charged with obstruction of justice and lying to a police officer. Or a police officer, peace officer, yeah. uh, And so now we're, we're up to 15 people who've been charged in connection with the Flint water crisis, uh, and the investigation's not over. Um, I think hope. Seriously, that the investigation will go all the way up to the governor, um, Rick Snyder, and uh, the um, investigators have tried to question him, but haven't been successful in being able to do so. You're like, good luck with that, Chelsea. <laughs> I,
1: I feel I feel so bad, but I just feel like there's so rarely any uh, culpability for government officials. Um, even if there in and, and and oftentimes you know people will say oh well we can't there's no criminal liability even if though as an ethical or a moral matter maybe they fell short and that's kind of where where everything kind of just lies and falls and and nothing really happens and uh, government officials aren't given the um impetus to to make a change in how they're they're running their 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 people and their and their uh, departments yeah. there's no incentive because they're not seeing the hammer really come down on anybody, not even really seeing a slap on the wrist.
0: yeah, so um I don't uh I don't have like all that much hope that Snyder will be included in this, but I would really like that. It would totally make my day. Um, I would feel like justice is at least partially served. <laughs>
1: But I want. And we so back. rarely get to say that. I feel like I when we're talking about these I things. I know.
0: One uh, of these days. And 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 this one, and this one, you seem to say that justice was served here. We're talking about now the Montana Republican candidate for Congress who assaulted a reporter the night before the election. Won the election. Many people say because the early voting had already occurred, and so people didn't know that this soon-to-be congressman was capable of assaulting a reporter for asking a question that was apparently a pretty standard question. Um, So he was charged with assault and then was sentenced Monday. This is Greg Gianforte. He was sentenced to 40 hours of community service. So if he does it as a full-time job, that's one week, plus 20 hours of anger management classes. Um, He also has to pay... $385 in court fees and fines. He has to pay restitution to the reporter, Mr. Jacobs, in the amount of $4,464.97 because of his emergency room bill, broken glasses, and a couple of other things. And this is interesting, a promise here. Um, The now congressman has promised to donate $50,000 to the Committee to Protect Journalists, an advocacy group for press freedoms and journalistic rights. You're laughing because you don't think that he's ever going to do that or because he even, like, tried to cover by offering this money. Uh, Tried to cover. I don't think – so so
1: is that self-imposed? Yeah. Okay. I think that's nice as a PR move. I, I don't know. I don't have very, very strong feelings about this case. This case, it kind of makes me laugh just because it's so absurd. I think, even in the first instance, someone asks you a question and you body slam someone like, who, like, how old are you? What like rinky-dink random town did you grow up in? Where this oh. is how you just like go to fist cuffs when someone says something you don't like, and body like uh, the whole thing yeah. is just uh, so It's you, laughable to me. So
0: you want to ask who does that? And apparently, who does that is a congressman. <laughs> like this is more than a like a, a legal injustice because, frankly, the the sentence was pretty standard for you know a first time assault, case. but just the example that that sets to. To kids and the American public, just is awful.
1: Yeah, and it, but it just reinforces the fact that there's so many crazies. There's just crazies out there, and I think a lot of these political figures that we think have it have it together and are super buttoned up. And uh, you know, during the whole Trump campaign, you know how everyone kept mentioning the term like presidential. You don't act presidential. Uh, you don't act like a politician the way that these politicians present themselves to the public. But in the reality of the situation many of them i shouldn't say many some certainly uh are not Behave as polished way. as we might think mm-hmm. or maybe they have certain triggers who knows maybe that will come out in his anger management man, anger
0: management class yeah that would uh, yeah let's yeah um hope he does that if he doesn't do the anger management or fall short on the community service hours um you know he he has a deferred sentence so you know Maybe he would see jail if he didn't complete those. But really, in all likelihood, he'll complete it. And at six months, this will be expunged like it never happened. And I, I want to know what his community
1: service has to
0: be. Uh, there was a list of uh, pre-approved nonprofits, including the Lions Club, an animal shelter, and the local fairgrounds. Are they, like, cleaning up the local fair. I feel like I it should know. be something.
1: Because if he's just going into an office and, like what was the second one what did animal you shelter yeah if he's just going into an animal shelter and like playing with puppies all day to me that's not really i, I don't know if that's going to have the uh deterrent factor but um if he's being forced to like clean trash on the side of the road and
0: you know wear a sign then i think that's something that's more yeah we should have that <laughs> you have to wear a sign saying why you have to do community service if you're a Congressman and you assault somebody. That's a new. <laughs> Although I know that I know I, that I think that that would make sense, but I know
1: some people consider that shaming and I'm yeah. Not I don't so think against that. I but. don't. I don't think that's cruel and unusual. I don't either, but I've heard people, you know how when, when parents get mad at their kids and they make them wear a sign saying, I will not lie to dad again or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Apparently that doesn't work so well. <laughs> I've seen, yeah. Well, I've, I've seen people kind of like say, that, oh, you're shaming the kid, you're embarrassing them, you're a bad parent, so who knows? Maybe well, that's just in the case of children.
0: Right. Maybe it does work on adults. Who, I, just, uh, I, I just hope the community knows.
1: service is something a bit has has some some, 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 some substance behind it.
0: Or I, I I would love for him to say I I couldn't do it. I I was in Congress. I was in D.C. I couldn't do it. And then he goes to jail. <laughs> That's what I would like. But he has until November 28th to get the community service done. So it's a lot of time—five yeah. months or so, right? Yeah. All right, and then finally, this news is just breaking like maybe hours ago, the Washington Post is reporting that the special prosecutor, Robert Mueller, has officially put Trump under investigation for obstruction of justice. We here talked about whether we thought that the elements of obstruction of justice were met after Comey's testimony, um, but now we're getting word that there is an actual well, I mean, we knew that there was an investigation into possible Russian collusion, but as for the obstruction of justice part, that has um not been confirmed, but the Washington Post is reporting that. I I don't I don't want him to go down just for obstruction of justice. I want them to take their time and look at everything. I feel like obstruction of justice is like the low hanging fruit at this point. Like I, I wanna I wanna No more. See how involved he. What like how involved
1: was he in in terms of the Russian, if at all, in terms of the Russian the contacts with the Russian uh, and the Russians. And then if he was actually involved, is that like a reason for his wanting Comey to
0: or Flynn or any of those characters? Well, hopefully
1: those are the things that are going to come out with the with the special prosecutor and the investigation. Yeah, I just hope he
0: doesn't get like too narrowly focused on this obstruction of justice and um, sort of. Glosses over everyone else and everything else. Oh, I would hope not. My
1: hope would be that you're you're doing a really broad, in-depth investigation of all of the circumstances, um, starting with uh, the campaign and any contacts with Russia, and moving on to what happened after uh, the information about Russian hacking coming to light. And uh, you know, are you trying to slow down this uh, investigation or not? And hopefully. You know, we'll see more. Um, Comey's testimony was obviously very interesting, and I'm sure was what led to. Did you hear this
0: any of Jeff Sessions' testimony? I haven't yesterday? heard Jeff Sessions'
1: testimony.
0: It's It's a very, it's annoying testimony because there was a he whole lot of. Questions. I don't recall, I don't remember, which he used way too much to leave himself much credibility. I mean, I know that we lawyers tell our clients to say that if you don't know the exact answer to the question, but he said it about things that he very well should have known. And if he doesn't know, probably shouldn't be the lead law enforcement officer in the entire country. And he refused to answer questions because there may be some privilege. And executive privilege is for the president to assert the president hadn't done that. And he just chose not to answer questions. And and Kamala Harris, our senator here in California, was like, you are the top Law enforcement officer, and you can't say which privilege or right that you're asserting or policy or anything. He's like, No, this is just, you know, historically people don't disclose what they discuss with the president. Um, what? Okay. Um, but he did say some things that backed up Comey's testimony that Comey had said he was uncomfortable being left alone with Trump and things like that. So I think all in all, it bolstered Comey's. Um, story Mm -hmm. and and the obstruction of justice charge in my mind um but i know that when i you know even after the comey uh uh testimony i like flipped over to fox news to see like what are the how how is this side twisting it oh my god they lie to people so badly (laughs) so badly it was like it was hannity that i was watching um he was like ask any lawyer um this was not obstruction of justice. Something, or something, well, like, I'll, ask any lawyer. And I was like, uh, I'm one and I don't agree with you. So you, haven't you just proven yourself to be completely incompetent to make a claim? Like, ask any lawyer. But like, a lot something of... Something is so uh, obvious. Uh, that, uh, the
1: main, the main kind of crux of this obstruction of justice, obstruction of justice charge is whether he, when Trump says, hey, I, I hope you, a, a bit, you know, I hope you just let this thing go, you know, is he issuing a directive to... Uh, Comey, or is he just stating how he feels and asserting his opinion? And you know what's what's relevant is it is it Comey's interpretation as to whether that was a direction?
0: Well, Kamala Harris asked a question that got exactly to that point when she said, you know, you and I have both been uh, prosecutors, and isn't it true that if somebody has, let's say, a gun to somebody's head and they say, "I hope you give me your money." that that can still be a directive, even if the words, I hope, are used, to which he said yes. So when a man um, who is your superior can fire you, is the president of the United States, says, I hope you can see your way clear to letting this go, it's reasonable to take that as an order. As, as I feel like with everything, and I don't
1: know if I'm just becoming the biggest skeptic these days, I just feel like the investigation, the, the, the word is going to be, it was concerning... It's not going to be that, you know, something illegal took place. It's it's something concerning took place or maybe ethically or something inappropriate. Not even ethics. I don't even know if ethics is going to come into it. But I think the words are going to be
0: inappropriate and the words are going to be concerning. But in terms of. um, But not obstructing. No. And then, which I, yeah, I'm not going to agree with. And then the other thing that I found funny that Hannity was talking about was like, actually, Comey just admitted himself to a felony the felony of failing to report another felony. Mm-hmm. That if Comey was so sure that obstruction of justice had been committed and he didn't report it, then he was guilty of a felony himself. And they like had up there like the language of the law. But Comey said, I don't know if this amounts to obstruction of justice. I'm leaving that to the special prosecutor. So he he doesn't know altogether. And then he was going to report it after he was fired because the firing may have very well been the biggest example of obstruction of justice, not even saying, hey, why don't you let this Flynn thing go? So, anyways, I I thought it was um, really fascinating, but I hope that we, we keep going deeper. I, well, yeah, I think the the public wants it to go to
1: go deeper and really see what what really happened. What happened with our elections? Uh, what happened with our choice, our democracy? Yeah. Um, and how involved was the pre- was the president in terms of wanting to make sure that we have continued you know autonomy in our elections? And, and speaking and we, of,
0: Jeff Sessions admitted yesterday that this Russian in- interference is. A big frickin' deal. He he was pretty emphatic about it. He agreed heavily with John McCain, who was asking him, is this not a serious matter? Oh, yes, this is very serious. Uh, and then he was asked by somebody else, well, did you ever have a meeting about it with anybody? And he's like, no. So, hmm, odd, yeah. odd, odd, odd. All right, well, I think that's our daily dose of attempted justices served. <laughs> um but I think that's where we are. We're an attempted. <laughs> uh, hopefully next week we'll be able to bring you the verdicts in both the Cosby case and the Philando Castile case. I think the Cosby case may come out Friday because those jurors are sequestered. And they probably <laughs> want to go home for the weekend. Home. So we'll see if we have any luck with that. Thank you, Yemi, for your insight. And join us next week for another episode of Justice is Served. Thanks, everyone.